Hello, listeners. Jordan here. I just want to let you know that you can listen to Nighttime early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Include it with Prime. You are listening to Keep Canada Weird, a weekly weird news roundup by the Nighttime Podcast. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to the weekly Keep Canada Weird discussion series. If you're new here, Keep Canada Weird is the venue in which my pal Aaron Airport and I seek out and explore the more offbeat news stories that played out over the past week. In tonight's episode, which is our first of 2024, Aaron and I receive the latest order of Canadian outlandishness. We're going to investigate two dumb Canadian crimes that are both tied to Guelph, Ontario. We'll do everything but celebrate the man responsible for Canada's record-setting 21 impaired driving convictions. We'll visit Slush Puppy Place in Kingston, and we're going to consider the matter of the DoorDash crash. So let's get into it. Handsome Marin Airport. Just, just like last week, I got to address the elephant in the room right off the bat. How's 2024 going for you so far? Oh, 2024 is is happening. I mean, it's so new. I don't want to comment on it yet to say it's the best year ever, but... Uh... You know, it's it's a good year so far. Yeah, three days in at the time of recording, it is January third, and yeah, so far it has been an amazing year. Did you have a Happy New Year celebration? Did you do anything interesting? I went to a new restaurant mm-hmm. in town in Sydney. You want to give them uh, a shout out? Sure, I'll give them a shout out. It's called Eves, I think. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's in it's in the Holiday Inn. Uh, okay. They used to have a restaurant in there called Salt Spray, I think it was called. Okay, so one of those uh, restaurants that are kind of like in the bottom of a hotel. Yeah, yeah. So they recently opened this new restaurant, and mm-hmm. uh, it's a more higher end oh. restaurant slash cocktail bar slash wine bar kind of spot. So you had to wear pants when you went, is what you're saying? I did wear pants, but I didn't go too crazy. They were jeans, okay. So I, I didn't go nuts. All right. Um, and they didn't have any holes in them. So I guess that's a step up. <laughs> yeah. So they were having like a New Year's Eve dinner, kind of three course meal. You know, you had to make a reservation and, you know, it was, it was good. It was nice to see a new restaurant offering some cocktails in this area. We don't have a lot of that. The world needs more cocktails for sure. Yeah. So they were new. So they were still working out some kinks, it felt like, uh, oh. in terms of the service end of things. But that's a very yeah. diplomatic way of saying like the service could have been better. The service was good considering they were just, you could tell that they were just ironing things out. It was all new and fresh. Yeah. So, well, that's a, a complicated time to open a cocktail restaurant like right around New Year's Eve. Like that's trial by fire for a restaurant, I guess. But for sure, they did well. The food was good and the cocktail I did have was good. Did the cocktail have a suggestive name? They often do. No, it was called Pretty in Pink. Okay. So, yeah, sure. That's kind of suggestive, you know. Yeah, I knew it would. It always does. Yeah, yeah, a seductive name, pretty in pink. Um, I had a great New Year's celebration. I didn't do a whole lot. I did manage to stay up till midnight, which doesn't always happen for me. Uh, I shot fireworks off with my children, which is always a good time. And this year we, I don't know if I should say this on a podcast, but I did um, (laughs) hold the fireworks in my hand and shoot them like a oh, rocket launcher sort of thing. Yeah, that's dangerous. Yeah, but it was fun. And so I let my kids do it too. So we all like held fireworks and shot them off. 
Not at each other, just into the sky. I I don't approve. Come at me, Sorry. CBS. Uh, anyway, no one got hurt. It was a great night. And I'm looking forward to 2024. I'm looking forward to keeping Canada weird with you. I'm looking forward to leaning on all the correspondents of Keep Canada of the Keep Canada Weird Army who are helping us keep Canada weird both locally in our country as well as abroad with our correspondents all around the world. In 2024, I dare say we will do even more work to keep Canada weird by seeking out, mm -hmm. highlighting, in some cases celebrating, and many other cases rolling our eyes at the weird, offbeat, and unusual stories that play out over the past week, which brings us to tonight's topics. We got a lot of weird to be keeping. Uh, I will say um, this week when putting the topics together i had probably twice as much as we needed last night i had to go through and trim some fat so unfortunately we're not going to be able to talk about the uh, woman whose ashes are being blasted off into space um the woman who died who is a star wars fanatic a star trek fanatic. star trek yeah oh. make sure you make that clear distinction because there's a huge difference yeah, her ashes are being blasted off into space, which I think is a fine way to go. I like that story. I'm a little disappointed we're not talking about it. I did read it. and We're uh, talking about it now. Uh, so do you think that'd be a good... If you die, would you want to have your ashes kind of dealt with in a manner um, appropriate for your favorite television show? For my Well, my favorite television show is wrestling, so... Oh, I can see a scene where like a wrestler throws your ashes in the other wrestler's eyes and then just punches them in the face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then my ashes would end up on a greasy, sweaty mat. and But wouldn't that be what you want? And then cleaned up with bleach probably afterwards. <laughs> yeah, not very appropriate. Yeah, blast, blast it off into space, uh, I think, is more appropriate. Yeah, it's appropriate if you're looking to get as far away from the planet as possible, where, mm, yeah. you know, just before you die, you're like, this place is just falling apart. So I think I'd like my ashes to be spread as far away as humanly possible. Yeah, and and they're like, oh, you must be like a Star Trek fan or something. You're like, no, no, it's just it's that bad here. It's that bad here. I don't <laughs> even want my remains to stay. That would be an appropriate segue to our stories that we have tonight about dumb Canadian crimes that played out over the last week or two. But let's save that for a little later. Uh, let's get to one of the stories. Um, tonight we have, other than dumb Canadian crimes, we're going to talk about Slush Puppy Place. We're going to talk about the new record for drunk driving. And we're going to hear about a DoorDash crash. Where do you want to start this? Should we start with our drunk friend? God, it's a good story. It's hard not to start with him. Mm -hmm. um, it's not a record to celebrate, but and it is not a record you will see in the Guinness Book of World Records, but a new Canadian record was just set. It starts with police responding to a motorcycle accident in Abbotsford, British Columbia on August 15th of 2022. When they arrive to the scene, they find a passenger of a motorcycle involved in the accident being treated by first responders and a driver of the motorcycle attempting to flee. Thanks to witnesses, they were able to identify and arrest the driver, 66-year-old Roy Hyde, and he was charged with driving while prohibited and impaired driving with a blood alcohol uh, level nearly twice the legal limit. But here's where the record comes in. This is Roy Hyde's 21st conviction for impaired driving, which, yes, that is believed to be a record, the most impaired driving convictions in Canadian history. Let's listen to a short news clip about it, and then we'll talk about this guy. When Roy Hyde was arrested in August 2022, he was a prohibited driver in B.C. with a blood alcohol level over two times the legal limit, according to Abbotsford police, 
who say he'd already amassed a stunning 19 impaired driving convictions in Canadian provinces and another for impaired driving causing bodily harm. Mr. Hyde has definitely set the bar high in a, in a way that we don't want to see. Hyde was charged with two counts of impaired driving causing bodily harm for the motorcycle crash on Clearbrook Road which injured his passenger. One charge was stayed, the 66-year-old was found not guilty of the other and instead convicted of impaired driving for the 21st time. Abbotsford police believe it's a Canadian record. I don't think that there's anybody in this country that has had more convictions for impaired operation of a motor vehicle by alcohol than Roy has. Hyde's first BC impaired conviction dates back to 1998 in Victoria. He was given a 25-year driving ban under the Motor Vehicle Act. His latest netted him a lifetime criminal driving ban. Hyde also has 14 convictions for driving while disqualified, 12 for failing to comply with court orders, and 7 for failing to appear for court. What Mr. Hyde has done specifically is egregious, it's belligerent, it's over the top, and it paints a clear picture that there's very little that will prevent him from physically operating a motor vehicle if we give him the opportunity to do so. This is what takes innocent people's lives. Hyde was open about his struggles with drinking in a 2020 social media post. I listened to people from AA and realized that I was an alcoholic, so the more I listened, the more cured I became, and I'm probably glad to say that me and alcohol have had a serious divorce. His criminal resume says otherwise. I don't know where to start with Mr. Hyde, so let's start with this. In that clip, they say his first conviction for drunk driving or impaired driving was in 1998. So that's 26 years ago. He's managed to get 21 convictions since then. And I'm assuming all of it, like I always thought a DUI driving while under the influence came with like a five-year license suspension or something. So I'm guessing most of those, if not all of them, would have happened while he had a suspended license. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Suspended license or not, this guy gets behind the wheel no matter what. Does this say more about Roy Hyde or does it say more about the Canadian legal system? It certainly paints a, an odd picture of the Canadian legal system where it doesn't seem from the report that he's ever really suffered any major consequences for all of this. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, he gets caught all the time and just still gets behind a wheel, is still able to insure a vehicle, is still able to be on the road uh, mm -hmm. drunk all the time. Yeah, it, despite getting caught, like the, not even the police can do anything about it, it seems. In this case, though, I, I don't know what punishment he got for all the prior instances. And the reason we're talking, like this uh, arrest happened in August, a couple months back. The reason we're talking about it now is it just went through the courts uh, just this just this past month. Um, he, of course, pled guilty, but it seems like the courts are ready to throw the book at him a bit. He received a sentence of four years and 354 days, so basically five years in jail as a result of this. I think that's completely appropriate and it would have been completely appropriate after his third DUI. Yeah, I would have assumed he would have gone to jail about halfway through this process. <laughs> you know, one thing that I found somewhat humorous is is they scoured his Facebook page for every possible selfie that they could find of him. Yeah. So when you watch the news clip, it's all these just collages of all these different selfies that he took, like sitting in his computer chair, sitting on his couch, mm -hmm. sitting on a rock. Yeah. Like it's all these different pictures of these selfies that he took. Uh, yeah, 
and maybe shaming him a little bit, but yeah, I think he probably deserves it. It's just uh, this not a this not a great record. Do you think in, in prison it'd be something he will laugh about and brag about? I have the most in Canadian history. It's one of those things, you know, like you hear like a child, like abuser or something goes to prison and like all the criminals like get them and hate them. I wonder what criminals think of drunk drivers. I just think it's, is it, it's like at this point in society, is it not unanimously seen as like a bad thing? It's definitely in the general public seen as a bad thing. But like on behalf of the criminal underworld, what do you think? I don't think? know what their opinion you of it is. Speak on behalf of them. I, I'm not... I can't. No, I refuse to speak on behalf of of uh the the prisoners and the and, okay. and that that uh okay. that, that portion of society. So I uh, uh, yeah, no, okay. I won't do that. All right. Uh Roy Hyde, get your life together. After twenty one mistakes, it's time to learn. Uh four in well, just under five years in prison. Hopefully that serves this guy well and he doesn't get behind a wheel and kill somebody when he gets out. Well, my prediction is as soon as he leaves the prison, he drinks a quart of rum and then gets into a car and drives home. Well, it would be pretty on brand. I'm Samantha Cole, host of the new season of Understood, The Pornhub Empire. Over the course of four episodes, I'll tell you how a horny YouTube knockoff in Canada came to dominate the porn world, only to shatter their cheeky reputation in a massive scandal. The Pornhub Empire is a new season of Understood from the CBC. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Aaron Habel of Generation Y, and with me is Jack Luna of Dark Topic. We'd like to introduce you to Marooned, a new podcast that's sure to capture your attention. Tales of the catastrophically lost are what we have to offer. Hikers swallowed by the woods. Explorers discovering nothing but destitution. True crime calamity. Oddities of harrowing human experience. It's a museum of misadventure. So pack a lunch. Subscribe to Marooned wherever you find podcasts. We are waiting. Please hurry. Thank you. Let's move on to another story involving a car crash that just played out over the past uh, few weeks. This one happens in Bellwood, Ontario. But before we get to this story, when we were like back in the day, the only food I ever really ordered was pizza. You'd get a pizza delivered. But now with like Uber Eats and DoorDash and all these kind of companies and, you know, the meals to go kits that get mailed to you and stuff, having food sent to your house is such a common thing. Are you one of the Uber Eat DoorDash type people that orders food that way? I've used it not in my home, but I've used it like when I go to Halifax, I've used mm. Uber Eats or, uh, you know, DoorDash, whatever, whatever is in the area. Mm. Um, but I don't use it often here. I've used it at work a couple of times. Okay. Yeah. Uh, skip the dishes, whatever kind of, there's a million of them out now. Yeah, there is. And they just, um, I don't use them often for a few reasons. One is I, I, I find the, I never know what the price is. There's all these extra fees and stuff. I always find that a little complicated and confusing, but it is cool that these services allow all the restaurants in your city to be, you know, to, to offer delivery. We're prior to these services that wouldn't have been possible for some small little business to have a delivery driver or something. So I do enjoy that. However, there are other problems that can come out of this. There's a story playing out 
from Bellwood, Ontario, where DoorDash de delivery went very wrong. It went so wrong that the customers are now asking DoorDash to cover the tens of thousands of dollars of damage that was done to their home by the DoorDash driver. Listen to this. It's a long driveway leading up to the Van Ralte residence in Bellwood. But when you see someone going 60 kilometers an hour towards you, you notice it. And I said to my husband, he's not going to be able to stop. And he didn't. He was sitting right here. Audrey Van Ralte saw the DoorDash delivery driver pulling up, but it was too late. And he never slowed down, never stopped. And just banged right into the garage. Van Ralte says the impact shook the house. We have an attic hole in the garage and the door opened up from the pressure. This was moments after the crash on December 1st. The DoorDash driver silent, according to those who were home. Nothing at all. No sorry, no this or that happened, nothing. They say the driver didn't have ID or insurance on him. Police says I cannot charge him because it's on private property. All that's left is the damaged garage door and brick wall. We just got an estimate now for 15 to 20,000. In a statement to CTV News, DoorDash says they recognize how frustrating this must be for the customer and they're looking to rectify the situation as quickly as possible. Adding, we have removed the dasher who caused the accident from our platform. We sincerely regret any inconvenience caused. As for the damage, DoorDash says that's up to the homeowner to work out with the driver's personal insurance company. But the family says they want more from DoorDash. That they pay for the damage and that we get it fixed as soon as possible. Until then, they'll opt for pickup instead of delivery. A few surprises in that one. First of all, I guess I'm surprised that DoorDash doesn't take responsibility for something like that. But I guess the drivers don't, like I don't really understand the, how, the, how it all works, but the drivers don't necessarily work for DoorDash. I guess they're like kind of like independent um consultants or something you know that kind of legal agreement uh but i understand the this homeowner's decision to go after doordash that's i think that's what i would do yeah i imagine doordash has their eyes dotted and their t's crossed in terms of where liability falls whenever something occurs on the property of a customer mm -hmm. Uh, when you sign up as a DoorDash delivery person. They call them uh, dashers, which does that not just sound, and even the name DoorDash, this article may, reminds me that DoorDash, Dasher, it just sounds like everyone's rushing. So of course- they It also sounds like a crime jump. in itself, dashing, like dine and dash, you know, like mm. that's kind of a, that's that's eating a meal and then running out before you have to pay for it. DoorDash could be another name for like knocking on the door and taking off too. Yeah, or smashing into your garage and taking mm. off. Yeah, well, this is this is a pretty significant crash. The for people who are just listening that haven't seen the video or the photos of this, it, clearly to me, it's you know twenty to fifty thousand dollars of of damage. It's um, significant. the The garage door is squished in. The brick wall on the side of the garage door is all smashed up. I, I don't know how they what happened like i would love to know how this guy hit the house did he slip on ice was he not was he just dashing so fast that he never realized Who knows? maybe it was an issue with his brakes maybe yeah. I, I mean if if it was an ice situation where the driveway was not salted mm. then i could see the liability being uh yeah skewed there, in terms there may be of a little argument responsible. there yeah there could be an argument from the driver where I was going down your driveway. It wasn't salted. 
uh, couldn't stop the car and mm-hmm. ended up smashing into your garage. Mm. Uh, but that wasn't brought up in the news clip, so we don't really know the situation there. Yeah. It, uh, it, it didn't look very icy in the video footage we saw, but that was a number of days later, I assume. Yeah, it was. They said, they said themselves it was a day or two later. And the way they described it, like we're only getting the homeowner's side of it. She says she hears the sound, the, the crash, she comes outside and the driver doesn't say anything he's just standing there i think that's really weird imagine like someone hits your house and you go outside and they're just standing there silent yeah they wouldn't give their they didn't have an id on them they didn't have proof of insurance on them but will a story like this prevent you from using doordash is this a black eye on the face of doordash it's i don't think so i don't think it's really going to damage doordash in the long run um, survive they say the driver was going or was it 60 yeah, kilometers that's what an she hour said, but that's what she said but like there's no one no, no one would go down that. a driveway going 60 kilometers an hour and i also i thought about that when you look at the damage to her garage and the wall next to it and stuff if he was going 60 kilometers an hour he would have went right through that garage yeah the damage would have been a lot worse certainly if they were going 60 kilometers an hour down and not slowing down looking at the damage the I'd be, driveway yeah looking at the damage i'd be surprised if he was going 15 kilometers an hour but who knows she said 60 who am i to challenge that they are probably going faster than they should have down the driveway but 60 kilometers an hour is probably not even possible no but anyway to these people in was it bellwood ontario I hope your garage gets fixed and to the delivery driver. I hope your side of the story comes out. We would love to hear the side of the story of the delivery driver. (laughs) Before we move on though, let's hear a side of the story from someone in the United States who listens to the show, who managed to kind of walk into some interesting Tim Hortons related discussion and discourse down in the United States. Listen to this one. This is uh, Kirsten. Hey, Jordan and Aaron, this is Kirsten from Birmingham, Alabama. I wanted to reach out to y'all because I'm um, visiting Palm Springs, California right now, and I ran into some of your fellow Canadians from Toronto. I actually sat down and talked with them a little bit over a beer, and we talked about, you know, me being from the South and them being from Canada and kind of things that we each liked about the different places we're from and of course the topic topic came up of Tim Hortons and I had to ask them oh my gosh what do y'all think of Tim Hortons because I'll listen to this podcast and the host absolutely hates Tim Hortons and so they kind of express the same thing that you and Aaron have in that it used to be really good in your childhood and you have good memories of it but now it's kind of garbage. Um, And so I really enjoy talking to them about that. And I thought I would report it back to you straight from Palm Springs, California. Thanks, Jordan and Aaron. Y'all have a great night. So we have correspondents who report stories back to us, but what we hear right now with Kirsten is a Keep Canada Weird advocate who is taking the messages we put out and amplifying them all across the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's good to see that the random Canadians that she ran into 
So these weren't selected by us. These weren't Canadians no. that were sent by Keep Canada Weird. This is not a test. To spread the message in the United States to not accept Tim Hortons. Uh, this was just random Canadians she ran into and started up a conversation. And they reiterated our point and the point that many Canadians have mm-hmm. about the downfall of the quality of Tim Hortons and how tired we are of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a a chance meeting, but it's done a lot of good. For one, it has backed up our opinions. Kirsten hears it not just from you and I, but from other random, unselected Canadians that we did not send there. Uh, These random Canadians also probably had some of their opinions backed up by like this American even knows what's happening in our home, in our nation. Yeah, I think that was a job well done for everybody involved, including us. Yeah, and it feels good that the work we're doing here on Keep Canada Weird to spread the message that Tim Hortons is not uh, the representative of Canadian culture that it wants to be or that it thinks that it is, and that the Canadian people, they're turning the page on Tim Hortons and hopefully ending the the book that is and the story of of tim hortons in our country the clock is ticking tim hortons tick tock tick tock it was very threatening uh threatening yeah (laughs) sent chills up my spine you know what else sends chills up your and my spine is really bad place names and there was some conversation going around about a new place name being used in Kingston, Ontario. So, you know, back in the day when the world was good and Tim Hortons made good coffee and donuts and baked goods fresh in all of their locations, an arena would have, like, it wouldn't have a fancy name. Like in Cape Breton, we had Center 200. In Halifax, there was, you know, the Metro Center. In Toronto, there was the Sky Dome. Some point along the way, there started to be these corporate sponsorships where all of the venues would change their name from metro center to rogers no from skydome to rogers center and Mm -hmm. rogers the telecom company would pay big money to have this happen and it seems now like that's just a common thing the names of arenas are generally a sponsorship deal with some company and that can kind of lead to some weird pairings of names and weird sponsorship collaboration-y type things. But the one in Ki- that's happening right now or about to happen in Kingston, Ontario is leading to a lot of conversation. So Kingston's downtown arena, which is currently known as Leon's Place after uh, Leon's, the furniture company. The furniture store, yeah. yeah. It's going to soon have a new name. Kingston City Councilors approved a frozen beverage company's bid for the arena's naming rights in an unanimous, in an unanimous vote just this past Tuesday. In early 2024, what is now known as Leon's, I said Leon's place, it's Leon's Center. In early of 2020, in early 2024, what's currently known as Leon Center is instead gonna be known as Slush Puppy Place. Again, as you can probably imagine, not everyone is into this new name. Let's hear a, a news report on Slush Puppy Place. I think I am comfortable being known as the Slush Puppy Council instead of the Slush Fun Council. That's Kings Court Rideau Councillor Brandon Tazo's tongue-in-cheek response to the tentative deal between the city and Slush Puppy Canada, which is buying the naming rights to Kingston's downtown sports and entertainment centre. Pending council's approval, the Leon Centre sign will come down, Slush Puppy Place will be going up.
It's exciting. It's $135,000 a year per year for 15 years. It offers stability uh, and it's just a trusted family brand. Slush Puppy Canada already has its name attached to a rink in Gatineau, the company's home base. On the streets, there seems to be indifference to the name change. Slush Puppy Place, that's kind of a, it's a very, very bland name. Leon Center, Slush Puppy Place, either way. Sounds a bit, a bit childish, Slush Puppy Place. And as to when the name change takes place, from one logo to another, Hurdle says there is no exact date, but likely in January. I think I agree with the one commenter there that it sounds a little childish. Like I, I often have, or I have a history of taking my kids to like indoor playgrounds. Slush Puppy Place sounds like the name of like an indoor playground or something you would take kids to. It sounds like a children's show that you would see on TV. Yes. Yeah, welcome to Slush Puppy Place. Let's it, count to 10. It does not sound like somewhere where like, you know, special events, concerts, hockey, that sort of stuff would be happening. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what I think about it. What 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 are your thoughts? Do you think, you know, it, Slush Puppy, for people who are unfamiliar, that's a, a, I don't know if they're popular, but that's a well-known Canadian, like, frozen treat thing. They they would sell, like, snow cones, I think, is what Slush Puppy Yeah, sells. so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So then kind it's, of those, those drinks you get at the gas station. Yeah, know, that the, sort of thing. It's that like sort a, of thing. They're... I've never thought of the name before. It's not a bad name for the product it is, but just when you put it on an arena slush puppy place, I just don't think it works. It certainly doesn't have the rock and roll edge to it that when you're playing a, you know, when you're playing for a sports team like a hockey team or whatever, and you know you've won the championship at the slush puppy place, it certainly takes the edge off. Um, I was taking a look at an article, though. This is by USA Today, and it has a bit of a Canadian connection to this story. Okay. Um, in response to the Crypto.com arena, when they had renamed oh, yes. that arena. Mm -hmm. So this article is the nine worst named sponsored pro sports arenas now that we're blessed with Crypto.com arena. Okay. So it lists some of them. And there is a Canadian one in there that I was a little shocked to see in there. Okay. But I guess from an outside of Canada perspective, I guess I could understand. But so I'll read off some of the names. So mm -hmm. the Smoothie King Center, which is a lot uh, like Slush Puppy Place. Yeah. Yeah. So very similar. Um, so I think that used to be called uh, it's in Los Angeles, home of the Los Angeles Lakers and Clippers. Um yeah. So anyway, uh, so then there's the footprint center. Okay. Um, Weird. It must be a product. This I... one. This one is the worst one. Guaranteed rate field. Oh god! <laughs> like some insurance company or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, PPG Paints Arena. Okay, I've used those paints. They're kind of cheaper paints for interior, uh, interior and exterior paints. You get them at Kent and Home Depot and stuff. It's just a bland yeah. name. It it just stinks of corporate sponsorship. Like, welcome to PPG Paints Arena. Nah. Uh, Climate Pledge Arena. Okay. Number no. six is American Family Field. That one's all right. Yeah, that works. Sounds like a public place. Number seven is pretty bad. Lone Depot Park. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And here's number eight. And this is the one that that I find funny that it's on the list. Canadian Tire Center made the list. Weird. Of the where, nine. Is the, where is that? 
uh, home of the Ottawa Senators. Okay, so that, it makes sense that Canadian Tire would sponsor something like that. It's yeah. Can- so from our perspective as Canadians, the Canadian Tire Center is not a bad name at all. But from an American point of view, it's like Canadian tires. Yeah. Like, what even is that? Sounds like a garage or something. But Canadian Tire is a large franchise across Canada that I don't even know how you'd sell. It's kind of like Walmart, except it leans more heavily towards like automotive parts and like tools and stuff. But it is still like a little bit of a Walmart kind of vibe to it, I guess. Mm -hmm. How I describe it. But yeah. Um, I'm, su- I'm surprised that there isn't like a Tim Horton center. I, I wonder if they have any kind of corporate I'm surprised there's event. not either, but, uh, you know what, rather than throw the money down and do it, Tim Hortons would rather just probably like, you know, put hockey stuff on the walls of the restaurant and make ads on TV about how much they love hockey. Canadian tire puts their money where their mouth is and actually pays the money to do it, mm-hmm. which one of the things about this article with Slush Puppy Place that surprised me is how much money changes hands for these corporate sponsorships of names. So in Kingston, Ontario, what was formerly Leon Center, now turning into Slush Puppy Place, that is a $135,000 a year agreement for 15 years. So that's you know close to $2 million being spent for the naming rights for this place. I can totally understand now why why these uh, you know why this trend has happened of of them changing the names for the company it's great advertising but for the you know the owners of the arena that's like we heard in the news clip that's stability if you get an extra if you get $135,000 a year extra just to have some brand's name on your building you know that's that's significant money it makes sense and it's also not a permanent thing like it's not mm-hmm. like it's going to be called the slush puppy center forever it's just you know, for the duration of the contract that they have with Slush Puppy. Yeah, but that's still kind of a bad thing, though, because to change your name all the time, it it affects the branding of your arena. But I guess if you're the only big arena in town, that's the thing. It doesn't really doesn't really make a difference. People are going to go to that arena because of the events that are taking place there, not necessarily as to what the arena is called. Mm-hmm. Well, there's probably some level that it could get to where these kind of sponsorships could become so bad like if let's say you know not to get political here but uh, over the last year or two i don't recall exactly when it happened but bud light faced a bit of a like identity crisis as a part of as a result of some of their sponsorship deals like i could see if there was some arena that was like bud light center the people who were really like unhappy with bud light maybe that could affect their willingness to go to that arena or it's if- possible. I'm wondering though if they could have a clause in the contract that stated if a if company y- then has issues in the media regarding their brand and if the brand is not viewed as as a as a as a family friendly brand anymore because that's what you're paying for, right? You're paying for yeah. a brand. You're letting a brand come in that you're comfortable with. If that changes at any point in time during the contract, it should be allowed out of the contract. Yeah, it probably is. There, pro- there probably is some wording in there, but the Bud Light one maybe wasn't the best example. But I wonder if a company, let's just say as an, someone who would have a ton of money would be a website like OnlyFans or like Pornhub or something associated with adult entertainment. I wonder if, or I'm surprised that they haven't reached out and, and tried to buy something but i guess that would probably be turned down because it's not family friendly yeah like it, there's no arena that's gonna 
name in Vegas them, name themselves after after a pornography website, but yeah. a strip club for sure. That's a good idea. All yeah. the strip club promoters listening are uh, probably opening their wallets. Or no, yeah, they'd be receiving yeah. money. They'd be opening. They'd be receiving money. money. Yeah. So they'd be sending an email and saying, hey, I will. Uh, I'm interested. <laughs> uh, to everyone in Kingston, enjoy Slush Puppy Place. We just ate the main course of this episode. So let's move on to the dessert part portion of today's festivities. We're going to be talking about two stories of dumb Canadian crimes. Uh, these are both pretty surprising. Do you want to start with the latest scam, this one involving tuition, or do we want to hear about the theft of thousands of dollars of butter? Let's start with the tuition because I really want to end on the butter. Okay. The tuition's good. It's good because, you know, the, we talk a lot about scams. That seems to be kind of a thread that flows throughout these episodes, keeping Canadians and international listeners aware of how, of the many varied ways people are trying to get your hard-earned dollars. But it's generally like, um, it's, it's generally these scams are targeting seniors and the the especially vulnerable you don't usually hear of a scam that's targeting university students and that seems to be what this tuition scam is um, this story is coming as the result of a press release the guelph ontario police released so i'm going to read you a short article here guelph police are warning the public about a scam targeting university students that has already cost their its victims tens of thousands of dollars three students have come forward to report the tuition scam over the past few weeks Police say friends of the students told them about someone who could give them a discount on their tuition. In one case, this unknown person said they paid $6,500 to the victim's school. The student then sent the scammer $6,000, thinking that they were getting $500, a $500 discount from their tuition. However, weeks later, the school contacted the student to let them know that the tuition payment had been made using a stolen credit card. So now the student was not only out the $6,000 they sent to the scammer, but they still needed to pay their full tuition to the school. Police said that all three students communicated with the scammer through email or an online app, and they stopped responding to messages after the students realized they had been duped. Does that does that surprise you that this someone thought of this and that it worked? It surprises me that they fell for it for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, it I find that really shocking. It's it's. It's your university tuition and someone is saying, hey, if you buy it through me, you know, you'll get $500 off. Like is $500 really worth the risk? The risk, you're yeah. And, you know, it says it, it was it was also done through email and like messaging apps. I guarantee it was like, you know, law, like download this at this secure chat app, Telegram or some weird thing and chat with me on there. You know, it's it, no voice or anything. The email, I guarantee whatever they were sending was like, you know, some random name at gmail.com. No one is giving you a discount on your university tuition. That is not how it works. But no, it's not. No. To support the victims of this, it seems like there was a payment made to the school, but it was done using a stolen credit card. So the way this scam would have operated is someone had stolen credit cards they were paying the tuition with the stolen credit cards and then getting kind of clean money from the victims of the scam. 
but they would get the clean money before the school realized that the credit card was stolen and the funds were all, you know, or the charges were reversed or declined or whatever the case may be. Yeah, I'm surprised that the university accepted credit card at all for tuition payments because I remember when I was going to university, uh, the university I attended didn't at the time did not accept credit card as a tuition payment option. Yeah, for this exact well, not for this exact reason of this scam, but just because the payments can bounce. There's huge also fees. the amount. Yeah, also the fees that go along with it, the interest yeah. that you're paying on it if you're using it as a form of credit to pay for your mm-hmm. tuition. There's a number of issues that can happen and arise with students using credit cards to pay for their tuition. So. Yeah, I, I guess I am too. I never really thought of that aspect of it. And a six thousand dollar charge is a significant charge to put on a credit card for a business. They would be paying; they'd be paying high fees for that. And yeah, mm-hmm. it's a. Uh, I feel bad for the student who's just starting out life uh, and learns this very expensive lesson about um, if it seems too good to be true, it probably is. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's it's a rough way to start your school year. And hopefully they're able to get the money to be it because they still owe the money, right? So yeah, so they're basically out six grand. Hopefully they come from rich parents because I don't think their student loan company is going to be interested in forking over another six grand to them. Yeah, not very forgiving. I can't imagine. You mentioned like hopefully they have rich parents. I can't imagine these people do because the allure of a $500 saving savings was enough to draw them in and risk $6,000 to save $500. But if you think of it this way, their parents still could be rich. Their parents gave them, wired them the money. Here's the $6,000 for your tuition and then sent them a little bit of spending money. Mm-hmm. And so maybe the parents are, are rich or Rich is a is is a strange term. Are are can afford to be able to pay for their tuition and give them some spending money, but they still have to get a job and they still have to be able to pay for some things themselves. Mm-hmm. So five hundred dollars could actually be a really good motivator for someone who is still coming from a well-to-do family, but maybe 500 bucks is going to be a couple of weekends at the bar. Mm, That's true. Yeah. Like you have parents with a lot of money, but they're strict. So they'll pay your tuition, but they're not going to give you drinking money. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, In this scam, as we heard described, it seems like the victims learned about this uh, vague entity that was willing to give them the discount through friends. It seems like... I mean, the police probably know what's happening at this point, but like, how are the friends involved? You know, unless the friends maybe got scammed online by someone saying like, you know, I'll give you a hundred dollars for every person you can convince that I'll pay their tuition. God, I just, I don't know what's going on here. No, I don't know either. How did, yeah, that, that part doesn't make any sense to me. Well, we may not figure out this dumb Canadian crime. Maybe we can solve the case of the $1,000 in stolen butter. You wanted to save this one for last. Uh, maybe you're so excited about it that you want to read the the news piece, that piece there if you have it in front of you. Oh, yeah, yeah. That I am uber excited to read about you, butter to you. You are DoorDash excited. I am DoorDash excited, yeah. So 
Uh, okay, so three men from Brampton, Ontario, were arrested on Christmas Eve in Guelph after police caught them with more than $1,000 in stolen butter. In a news release, Guelph police joked the group may have had their holiday baking plans interrupted. Terrible joke. Yeah. Bad. Shortly before 4 p.m., officers were called to a grocery store in the south end of the city where two men were spotted putting a case of butter in a cart and walking out of the store. The men got into a vehicle and drove away, but police found it outside another nearby grocery store. Officers arrested two men who were in the vehicle and a third when he left the store. A witness told police they saw the third man abandon a cart just outside the store. Officers checked it and found more stolen butter. In total, 144 sticks of butter and 17 containers of what is this, G were arrested? Yeah, G is a type of purified butter um, used in Indian food, I believe. Okay, it's, okay. it's quite expensive. So 144 sticks of butter and 17 containers of G were recovered. The men aged 49, 29, and 25 were arrested and charged with theft under $5,000. One of them faces an additional charge for trying to give the police a false name. Of course. It's probably uh, Mr. Buttersworth. <laughs> I'm Mr. Buttersworth. Uh, <laughs> this is my butter. I'm just taking back the butter they stole from me. That's uh, right. The uh, Getting caught in the act at the second grocery store is kind of is kind of funny i'm picturing the scene of like you're coming out of this grocery store with a cart full of stolen butter and you see the police like arresting your friends and taking butter out of the trunk you ditch your cart and take off and they get you and that's when you come up with the mr buttersworth excuse the 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 butter liberator mm -hmm. uh, yeah it's it's such know, a weird thing to steal butter because it's not only is it butter, but also it like it's it's hard to keep it fresh. You got to keep it refrigerated. Yeah. You know, like the whole process seems complicated to me. But in the lead up to the holidays, there is a demand for butter. You could sell it pretty quick on the black market. If you had a Facebook marketplace listing of like, you know, a stick of butter for two dollars, you know, a week before Christmas, I bet you'd sell a ton of them. I don't know if that was their motivation. We talk about the prices of food skyrocketing. The price of butter is high. Like a stick of butter now is a five or six bucks. You get a hundred. I agree, but there's just so many better things to steal than butter. Yeah. Like how much of a return are you getting on butter? Like the risk that you're taking when you factor in the logistics of it. And having to resell have to like store you to, it unless you can sell it all to a restaurant you'd have to find like 144 or no that uh, people probably buy two sticks of stolen butter you'd still have to find like 75 people willing to buy stolen butter unless maybe one of them are connected to a restaurant that's shady and you're just not getting like you're stealing how much was it a thousand dollars worth of butter yeah which is like two shops. And you're going to sell it. Like nobody's going to buy it for more than what they're going to buy it for in the grocery store. Mm -hmm. So at the very, at the very best, you're going to get a thousand dollars for this. And then think about the, the physical pain and the ass that it is to sell a thousand dollars worth of butter when you're not a grocery store. Yeah, seriously. So there has to be sticks. some other, there has to be some other reason as to why you would steal this much butter. Uh, you know, is is the mob involved in this? Like, well, if the mob was involved in it, they'd be smarter. They'd like get a job working for shipping and receiving or whatever for the grocery store and just take it out the back door. They wouldn't go in there and fill a shopping cart with it and run out the front. 
That's crazy. And when you think of the value of, of the butter, so you take 144 sticks of butter, if that's worth, you know, a thousand, 2000 bucks or whatever, like if you, what is that in steaks? When you look at the price of meat, like of beef, rather than two shopping carts of, of butter, you'd only need like a backpack of steaks to be worth that mm -hmm. much money. So they're, they're yeah, picking, the, it's weird. The, that's it's weird. so the butter seems special. It seems very specific. Mm -hmm. And I think we'll never dream of the reason why it almost reminds me of like, like say like a, um, a TV show like Breaking Bad where they're looking to cook meth. And there's a certain, there was a point in time where there was a certain chemical ingredient that they would get from cold medication yeah. that they needed to cook the meth. Mm -hmm. And so they had basically cleared out, you know, all the drugstores in the area. There's only so much of that you can get to cook the volume of meth that you're looking to cook. So maybe butter is an ingredient in some kind of a black market drug or product. time machine mm -hmm. they're uh, like we need a lot of butter and if we're going to pull off this mission yeah yeah i'm looking at an article here from the national post because i was so curious about this theft that i googled why would somebody steal butter <laughs> the fbi knocks on your door yeah i gotta really clear my search history <laughs> but um not just because of the butter but yeah, uh, so <laughs> here's an article from the National Post, uh, and this is from 2001. Thieves made off with $200,000 worth of butter, Ooh. and inflation may be to blame. So this is from Ontario. A okay. Christmas Day butter heist in Ontario is not the first time in history that sticky fingers have made off with the high-priced dairy product. So hmm. stealing butter, this is not the first time. But uh, you know, two hundred thousand or something—that's not going uh, dollars worth. That's not going into a grocery store and, and no. shoplifting. That is like a factory or a warehouse. Well, this was stolen from a warehouse in Trenton, Ontario. Two hundred thousand dollars worth of Jeez. butter. That's a different story, though. Like, it just like you probably heard of the maple syrup heist in Quebec. Yeah, yeah, they mentioned that in this article. Yeah, so that's kind of more along those lines. Where this situation. With it's the only a thousand dollars, but this, but that's like a shoplifting thing rather than an organized crime thing. Two hundred thousand dollars of butter is organized crime. Two thousand dollars of butter is like three guys who really want to get a bunch of butter fast. I know. See, in this one in in on in Trenton, Ontario, in two thousand and one, they stole the trucks. It says oh. um, they entered and seized two transport trucks and trailers. You know that 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 allows them to pro they're probably refrigerated mm -hmm. so it really kind of makes more sense but this one it's so small it just seems utterly pointless yeah i don't understand if anyone listening has any theories on what these people would have been doing with 144 sticks of butter and 17 containers of i think it's pronounced g g h e e let us know. I'd be curious what some theories are. Maybe they're yeah. Please correct us on our pronunciation too. That's probably yeah. And neither of us, neither of us are bakers, so maybe someone out there who bakes a lot will have a better understanding of what kind of damage you could do with 144 sticks of butter. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure. Uh, I think it is pronounced G. Okay, well, let's go with. Oh that. no, ghee. It's actually ghee. Yeah, I, I read yeah. that it was used in Indian food cooking, and I looked to get an idea of the price, and I was finding on Amazon like a container of it 
going anywhere from $20 to $70, probably dependent on the size and quality of it. But in this case, uh, the theft was 144 sticks of butter in 17 containers of that ghee stuff. So, mm -hmm. but I think the butter is the, the bigger story. Yeah. So ghee is the pronunciation before the pronunciation police arrest us. Oh, on this show. oh actually yeah. they, they already caught up with us. It wasn't the pronunciation police. It was the misspeak police. We, um, committed the cardinal sin and last week we misspoke on an episode. Okay. Let's, uh, use this as an opportunity for a correction here. It's important that we shine a spotlight on how dumb we are. We talked last week about the vomit that was thrown at a cop. Oh, uh, and okay, in that yeah. talk, the, the, they were being removed from public transit. I think we said we assumed it was like a subway train. Yeah, like some kind of a train, but it was a bus. And the it the, was a bus. Okay, the caller basically said, "Like you guys uh, got it wrong. We don't have a bus, or we don't have a subway or a train. You guys clearly have never been here to Victoria." Yeah, and what does that matter? We yeah. haven't been to ninety nine percent of the <laughs> places we talk about on this show. Yeah. <laughs> um. But we still appreciate the correction because, yeah. you know, that's what we're here to do is be corrected. And we certainly are. But uh, I do believe we also spread truth and transparency in our work to keep Canada weird. And I think uh, that's shown by the huge legion of Keep Canada Weird correspondents and advocates uh, that support us in this mission. I agree with everything you said. I will not correct that. Nope. Well, let's uh, let's start wrapping this up, Aaron. Uh, next week, we are going to have a whole bunch more weird, unique, and offbeat and unusual stories. Um, but we want to include you. If anyone listening has an opinion or theory on anything we discussed, get at us via nighttimepodcast.com slash contact. Yeah, absolutely. Handsome Aaron Airport, until next time. Jordan, until next time. Slush puppy place. Uh, no. Jordan, until next time. I think we should rename Keep Canada Weird podcast to the Slush Puppy podcast. Done. I want to thank you for helping Aaron and I fulfill our mission to keep Canada weird, but let us also call out to you for even greater support. If something unusual happens in your neck of the woods, we want to hear about it. If you have any opinions, thoughts, feedback, or theories on the stories we covered tonight, we want to hear about that as well. The best way to reach us is by sending a voice memo using the app at nighttimepodcast.com slash contact. We're excited to hear from you. Now, before we part, let me give some thanks. First, a big thanks to Aaron for sharing another evening with me and with you, the listeners of Nighttime. A big shout out to the internet's favorite cult leader, Unicole, who provides the series intro and outro voiceovers. And lastly, but most importantly, a massive thank you to each and every one of you listening to Nighttime, as without your interest and your support, this show would be as pointless as it would be impossible. Now on the topic of support, let me thank the newest subscribers to the premium feed. Samantha, Shauna, and Corey, thank you for your generous support. If anyone else would like to support the show, you can help keep this alive in a variety of ways. First of all, a premium feed subscription costs just a couple dollars a month and that money funds the creation of the show, but the premium feed also gives you the episodes two days early, gives them to you ad-free, and gives you access to a full back catalog of nighttime episodes. If that sounds like something you're interested in, you can go premium right now at patreon.com slash nighttimepodcast. 
And even if you don't want to go premium, you can still support the show by simply sharing this episode on social media and letting all your like-minded friends know what we're doing here. Now I'm going to wrap it up, but until next time, take care of each other, hug your loved ones tight, and let me know if you see anything weird. Keep Canada Weird is written, hosted, and produced by the Nighttime Podcast. And now to our viewers and listeners everywhere. Good night. Hey, Jordan and Erin. My name is Sydney, and I just want to say that I have just been waiting for the day that you guys decided to start doing American stories. I live in Arkansas, here in the States, and I've called in before and pretty much ruined everybody's day by explaining what skin sloughing was. Anyways, love you guys, love your show, and keep doing what you're doing. So excited that the states get to contribute now. Bye! Her name is Elspeth. Elspeth Tassioni. You know her as the offbeat but brilliant defense attorney from The Good Wife and The Good Fight. You've been a very busy little bee. Buzz, buzz. Now, she's in New York with the NYPD. This is very different. Better. But still using her unconventional ways to find the truth. You're trying to sniff me, Miss Tassioni? <laughs> Elspeth, new series Thursdays on Global. Stream on Stack TV.